It is football and other F words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at F words pod. He's Mike Curtin. You can follow him on X at Mike Curtin NFL. Are you broadcasting from the office or are you broadcasting from the, uh, from like your business office or your home office? Home office, home office. We yeah, don't, we don't technically have a, I mean, a brick and mortar office. So we're, okay. we're all remote, but, um, all of us are based in Texas now. It looks like a conference room right now. So you got a lot of work to do in this in this home office. You got to put up some oh, stuff. We're we're still in boxes. I mean, we're, it's it's a complete mess over here. So y'all are lucky. I've got my computer and everything together. To I was wondering there. if I was going to get a text saying, uh, "Can we do push it off till Thursday or Friday?" I still don't know which box all my stuff's in. Yeah, I had to I had to keep the computer stuff out. Um, it, you know, in, in the truck with me. At all times, but um, the um, yeah, well, impact. we're gonna we got a lot to talk about. But first, I, I'll say congratulations to the University of Texas Longhorns for uh, beating Alabama and declaring themselves back, which will eventually amount to nothing, like it always does. Hang on, hang on. I I've actually got to run and go do something real quick. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll be back in like five ten minutes. Oh my gosh! Yes, you, I guess. Or so. Do you want to restart it? No, I, we don't have to restart okay. it. I'll just uh, t- just keep your screen up. Okay. If you, if that's possible, that way people okay. know that you, at least you're here. Okay. I'll be right back. All right. Mike's going to go take care of some stuff. Uh, so for five to 10 minutes and Hey, for five, to 10 minutes, I could talk about our sponsor bluegrass beverages as everybody's filtering in a little bit slower than normal, which is okay. Mike will be back in five, 10 minutes. I want to talk about first off, paulkarski.com. We got Mike, He's written an article today that is out on Wednesday, so make sure you go read that, uh, reviewing the film around the Saints' uh, loss, or Saints' win against the Titans. Uh, Stackintheinbox.com has many articles out, lots of information, and we had a fantastic, for what it's worth, a fantastic game day chat for all the paid subscribers to Stackintheinbox.com. I went live. We talked about the game. There was quite a few of us in there kind of uh, consoling each other through the miserable game that it was. And then, of course, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee, celebrating 50 years of fantastic service. And let me tell you just how fantastic that service is. Stoney lives out in Mount Juliet, and he drove all the way to Hendersonville this past weekend just to shop at Bluegrass because they have some of the best selection of beers that you can find anywhere in Middle Tennessee. And that's a testament, in my opinion, a testament to the quality products that they serve there. Bluegrass beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Worth the drive no matter where you're at. And hey, guess what? If you're in Nashville, there is a sister store, Sinker's Beverages, in East Nashville. But Bluegrass is our sponsor, 555. East Main Street, Hendersonville, Tennessee. They have a fantastic event coming up that's free. It is uh, the weekend of the 28th, and it is a bourbon and tequila tasting. You don't, it's free. You get free bourbon, free tequila, multiple different kinds to come in and get samples of. Why not pop in bluegrass beverages? Me and Brayden will likely, we're efforting us to be there that weekend. We're clear, trying to clear our schedules for us to be there to broadcast there, just like what me and Stoney did for their beer tasting or their 50th anniversary party, I guess you'll say. So Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee, coming up September 28th. They got all kinds of cool events. They'll have a TV there, so you can't, so you won't miss any football games. Nice big TV. It's massive. It's huge. And uh, they'll have the games on, the game of the week for SEC. Don't miss it. Oh, man, let me just tell you, this Titans game, it's a mess. And it was a mess pretty much only in one spot. But there's a lot to talk about that is positive. And we do have some negative things to talk about. And when Mike gets in here, we're going to have a little bit of gloating. I've already wished his uh, University of Texan, Texas Longhorns a nice victory because I am a gracious loser. Okay. So we don't have to worry about that as far as, you know, that taking up too much of our time. But as Mike is still efforting to get back, I want to bring up 
some of the stuff that I talked about in my article 48 hours later, analyzing the Titans lost to the Saints, stacking inbox.com. And we'll also talk about some of the stuff brought up in Paul Kraharski.com and Mike's article, which I am pulling up right now because I didn't even see it get, get tweeted or X'd. The worst and best Titans from the Saints lost start with Ryan Daniel and Arden Keith. We can tell you pretty much who do you think is going to be the best and who do you think is going to be the worst out of those two. Um, but there's been a lot of narratives surrounding Ryan Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans, a lot of takes. I mean, there was a, uh, I think it was the guy from uh, Jersey who is just, his timeline's littered with bad takes. Um, I think he's the one that said that the Titans should trade Tannehill and a fifth round pick to the Jets just to get rid of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, pretty stupid. Um, there's people that think that the Jets, and listen, I'm all for the, the talk of the Jets trading for Ryan Tannehill, but there's people that think that the Jets will trade for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, as Mike comes in, we will get we'll get started. I've already congratulated you on your, your little Texas win. Little uh, Texas win. Hey. Are we really going to have to dive into this? Because last year when the Alabama guys, <laughs> I don't, I didn't make a big stink of it. So, you know. Well, I mean, it's a little bigger one. deal when it's Texas that beats Alabama than Alabama oh, beating Texas, right? Oh, okay. Well, right? I mean, you know, is it? Hey, Texas has been down for a decade and a half. Um, and this is a huge win. It's, Alabama it's, a, it's a big loses. win for you guys. And, and I agree. But I don't think it's something that like you need to be like, oh, you know, we got we got to spend like 10 minutes on it. No, we don't have to spend 10 minutes on it. But yeah. I do have to give you some shit because Texas did go into Tuscaloosa and beat that ass. So, yeah, well, you know, it is what it is to pretty much uh, <laughs> Alabama beat themselves. I, I was resigned when I didn't see like Nick Saban for the entire first half, like no shots of Nick Saban. I just I got this weird feelings like, OK, Alabama's losing this game and they just know it. <laughs> they just somehow know that Alabama's losing this game. And they were just I, like, we're not going to show up. I thought going into it, I thought Texas had a pretty good chance to win. I will say the closer we got to kickoff, the more nervous I got that we were just going to like have the rug pulled out from under us one more time uh, because that's all that's happened for the past decade. But um, I, I do think that this Texas team is super talented and will be in the mix all season. Although there's some, there are some good big 12 teams. I, I will say this. Um, you, you, you won that. But I think I've already won and declared the winner of Nate Davis versus Daniel Brunskill. Oh, that's uh, way too early. And, and, is it? I mean, and, because because he's Nate Davis has got a pretty big well, lead. <laughs> and let me say this: I never said that he'd be better. That we we're not comparing him to 2023 Nate Davis. We're comparing him to years past Nate Davis. Nate Davis I, with the Titans. Yeah, this was a great game from Daniel Brunskill. Daniel Brunskill is uh, ten great. times. I I know okay. that uh, no flag films put a little like it's a Cheeto thing in there, like Cheeto holding the door open. Uh, but you know he's got bad taste. He thinks Monty Rice is good. So what I, does he I know? watched. I don't know. I, I watched the All Twenty Two last night. I thought Brunskill was okay. I I did. I thought among the offensive linemen, he was probably second worst uh, behind the obvious first worst. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is that like the the Tennessee. Let's just start and dive into the Tennessee Titans offensive line because I think okay. a lot because I don't think you could talk about Ryan Tannehill with talking about the off without talking about the offensive line first. The offensive line did what NFL teams do. It was I don't think it was the fifth best or top eleven like uh, PFF and pass block win rate has them. Yeah, but to me, they looked like. By the entire game, they started out really rough, but at the end of the entire game, they were an NFL average offensive line. And Ryan Tannehill, who is a 10-year veteran, I think more than that, but I know he has 10 seasons of active gameplay, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he should be a he shouldn't be seeing ghosts. Like, I don't feel like when you're in that long you should be constantly seeing ghosts all the way through a game and i think they did their job and i think they did their job better than outside of the giants game last year than any iteration of the titans offensive line in 2022 and that's what you needed right that's what we all talked about 
is that all you need this offensive line to be is not the worst. And in fact, they were better than not the worst. Uh, they were, in my opinion, an average offensive line in the NFL. I mean, you have takes coming out um, that even Patrick Mahomes could would see ghosts if he was behind this line. No, no, that's not. No, first off, it would be an entirely different game if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. The reason why the Titans lost is not because of the offensive line. It's not because people think that Tim Kelly is Todd Downing. It's not because of the the wide receivers. Are people is, really blaming this game on the offensive line? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you look, saw. I mean, the look, that day, the Andre day everybody. Dillard, Andre Dillard was terrible in this game. Like, but I, he settled down. Well, right, I mean, like, I mean, to to a he was better in the second Dennis half than Daly, he was. The right, first. like, well, hey, here's here's what Dennis Daly his worst game last season. He allowed six pressures. Andre Dillard allowed six pressures on. But Sunday. how many of those so, are sacks for Dennis Daly? You get what I'm saying? Like, I think I think well, pressures are a little different here. As far as his worst game, you know, Dennis Daly had a three sack game against the Eagles. I think it was. He had another two sack game, but he didn't have another game that was more than one sack. I don't think. So for as bad as Dennis Daly was, Dillard was like this performance by Dillard would have been fit right in with all the Dennis Daly performances last year, which is. Not good news for the Titans. Um, I guess the good news is they can get out of this contract after next uh, or after this season. If uh, he got better as the game went on, this way he he was better. And and apparently, there was an issue with some of his pass sets um, that they thought he was just too soft on his pass sets in the first half, and that got corrected uh, at halftime. And and he played better in the second. And I agree that he played better in the second half, but. it's not an encouraging because it's not like, I mean, look, Carl Granderson is a good player. He's not a great pass rusher. Like it, he's going to see Joey Bosa this week. He's going to see miles Garrett next week. He's going to see Trey Hendrickson in two weeks. It could get worse um, for Andre Dillard. Cause look, all those guys are speed to power rushers. And that is what he really struggled with against Granderson and teams will know that teams. The book will be out on that. He will see speed to power constantly uh until he proves that he can anchor against it so i i just think it was an alarming performance by dillard but the rest of the offensive line and the offensive line as a whole i didn't think was terrible yeah the um i think that's that's the the good thing right like i've heard uh uh jared stillman yesterday he about made me want to drive my car up to the studio and beat his fucking ass and shake him (laughs) Because he put like Ryan Tannehill at like number five on list of people to blame for the offensive woes. He blamed the offensive line, Mike Vrabel, the pass catchers, Rand Carthon, even before he got to Ryan Tannehill. And I mean, it's just, it's utterly ridiculous. Of course, he says, you know, Jared's filmer, and that's what he says was in there. Um, You know, you put Tim Kelly, you know, up on that list. Like everybody before Ryan Tannehill, apparently it's just not Ryan Tannehill's fault in Jared Stillman's head, which is the most asinine take because when Mike Vrabel came out and said on Sunday in this press conference and said that it's not just one person. Not one person's the reason that the Titans lost. I said, (laughs) I understand that you don't have to, you're not supposed to throw players under the bus, but if anybody deserved to have every team bus be thrown under all six or seven team buses that are leaving the stadium, it's Ryan Tannehill. And then on Monday, you know, they go back and watch the tape overnight and everything. And then he comes back and he's saying some pretty damning things about Ryan Tannehill. like, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he's got to be better. Yeah. I think everybody knows now it was one person. And I, it, the, Ryan Tannehill is the, is the sole reason, in my opinion, that they lost because of all the points he left on the field. There's a you ton. can talk about Rashid Shaheed's touchdown you can talk about the coverage breakdowns all you want but at the end of the day not converting field goal trips in the red zone or red zone trips in from field goals to touchdowns and not converting on white three wide open passes that could have led to touchdowns and then an additional one to chig on the chris moore interception that's a lot of points on the f- field and you can't blame the offensive coordinator because he schemed people open 
Yeah. And I mean, he, some of those were extremely well-schemed plays that, yeah. that got players wide open. And that is what you want your offensive coordinator to do. And you've just got to hit them like the, the wheel route. And I, I thought it was clear, you know, on the interception uh, that he threw to more, like you mentioned, Chig was was open on that play. Chig and was it wasn't a situation where like the ball's already left his hands or he's yeah, already in his windup. Because even Jason McCourty said it on the broadcast. Which, by the way, I want that broadcast team for every Titans game. Yeah, Don't give really us good. anybody else except for those guys because it was they were fan freaking fantastic. Yeah. Um, Ross Tucker getting so excited on Chris Hubbard's pancake block and like just you can hear the pure joy in him. Like, that's personality. I, I freaking loved them. I thought it was one of the best crews that I've heard in a long time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And But, I mean, you had you had that play that should have been – not maybe maybe it wouldn't have been a touchdown. If yes, I kind of think that's probably like a in the 10. It's yeah. probably inside the 10-yard line. At least they're getting points instead of a turnover, right? Like, that's right. at least three points left on the board. Um, the – Third interception, if if you looked now in and PK asked Vrabel about this and Tano about this today, if you look at the backside of that play, um, Traylon Burks breaks wide open. Uh the the Saints totally busted the coverage. Nobody covered Burks. Burks is screaming downfield like I mean, would have been an eighty-four yard touchdown. Um, if if he worked the backside of that play. Now I don't blame Tannehill for not working the backside of that play. He got a look that dictated one-on-one coverage with DeAndre Hopkins against Paulson Adebo. And you're going to take that matchup when you get it. And you want him to take that matchup when he gets it. It was a poor throw um, and, you know, just a, a bad decision of where to put the ball. But I don't totally mind it. And that's that's what Vrabel said, too, is that he didn't mind the decision, but it was a bad throw. Um, but, again, like, it, if you want to talk about Tim Kelly, that's a play that schemed up a wide-open wide receiver. Um, and then you also had a missed wheel route to NWI that was open on that little play action boot from shotgun. At the very beginning of the game. At the very beginning of the game. Uh, NWI was wide open. He had time to throw it. I know Cameron Jordan was out there, but he was not closing on him at the point that he would have released the ball to hit NWI. Look, it was going to be a walk-in touchdown. Easy, easy touchdown by NFL standards. The uh, trick play, the reverse pass uh, to Chig. Again, wide open, has the linebacker beat by like two or three yards. Uh, is going to walk in for a touchdown if that ball hit, hits him in stride and he just overthrows him. And then you had the, the wheel route to Spears, where again, wide open. Like he was 10 yards clear of the nearest Saints defender. And with him in open space, his ability, he's going to score on that play. Like he just is. So any of those plays gets executed correctly. And the Titans win the game. And, you know, yes, we're talking about it was a bad performance by Ten Hill, but it's a win. Like, right. So that, that's how close this thing was. That's how many opportunities that were just like sitting there. I mean, you had a chance to, to really, because when you talk about some of those, they settle for field goals, right? So you're yeah. picking up technically, um, I guess you would look at it as like six points per play that he missed out on. And adding that to, I don't know if my math's right on that. But anyway. You're you're talking about you know many many swings in favor of the offense that right. would have probably got you to the vaunted thirty points needed to win games. Like we haven't seen this team score thirty points since when? Like twenty twenty one? Yeah, it was right? the last game of no, it was the last game of uh, the yeah twenty twenty one season yeah. uh, against the Texans. So like we we our offensive coordinator for the that we saw on that field, like our eyes saw a scheme that would work and that was that all it needed was a quarterback to, that had like any semblance of being an average quarterback. Like it, it's such an outlier though, but like, there's also, I don't know about you, Mike. I got, I got conflicting feelings about Ryan Tannehill right now. Yeah. I have my head, right. The logic behind it, right. The logic tells me the numbers tell me the analytics tell me, this is the outlier game for Ryan Tannehill. Everything you look at, every kind of anything you can find that measures quarterbacks makes you know or lets you know that this is an outlier, the outlier game. But there's also something when I'm watching him throw the ball and I'm watching him not be able to hit the easy stuff, not and be able, and he's creating his own pressure and he's like, 
leaving a clean pocket than running into an offensive lineman and then he's getting you know hit around or he's he's messed up all this stuff and then the the speed at which the ball is leaving his hand and making it to the receiver it's causing this gut feeling and i've got this i had this gut feeling about russell wilson a few years ago and now ryan Tannehill and russell wilson are the same age but like so ryan Tannehill is kind of able to move away and avoid old old man uh father time but i just have this feeling in my gut that like he may not be that bad any more games but i think us hoping that we would see something closer i think we're gonna see roughly 2021 ryan Tannehill. like that's kind of what i'm feeling right now like, yeah i mean he's getting i think it's i think he's it's it's it. Like I think Father Time is like hovering over him with their, his Father Time's old crusty yellow fingernails and all this stuff. Beer tickling his ear. The the thing that I struggle with though on on this whole thing with Tannehill is that it is his. It's easily his worst game he's played as a Titan. Um, and I, look, I know that like the Bengals game and all that stuff. It wasn't great, but it wasn't nearly as bad as this. This this the Bengals game. Some of those interceptions were just you know, either great plays by the defense or just, you know, bad luck, um, honestly, with, with Tannehill. All three of these were bad throws and or bad decisions from Ryan Tannehill. Um, and, and frankly, he could have thrown a couple more interceptions if, if Saints defenders had, had caught the ball. So, um, or if, if what Titans wide receivers hadn't done a good job of turning into defensive backs for him. So, it was a terrible game. It was by far his worst game um, to me. And I, I do think um, there is some concern, especially the fact that a lot of those passes were underthrown um, and, and not, uh, you know, just not reaching where they needed to get to. You know, the more ball was underthrown, um, the ball to uh, the first one to, to Hopkins was was underthrown and then the third one to Hopkins looked like he was is either underthrown or a back shoulder um that that he just missed on. So the fact that they're all underthrown is a little concerning but but the honest opinion that I have is that we did not see warning like I would have thought if if Tannehill was just shot his arm was done and and you know it was the end of the line here. I thought we would have seen warnings of this from training camp. And nobody saw warnings of this from training camp. And everyone felt like Tannehill had a really good training camp, honestly. And and there weren't a ton of underthrown interceptions in camp, which you would expect to see if if this was just he doesn't have the zip anymore. I I think my gut tells me that just chalk it up as a bad day. And, and look, the the misreads and and missing, you know, open potential touchdowns and things like that, holding onto the ball too long, all that stuff. I don't think you can put that on age because that's, that's not something that should diminish uh, unless it's like eyesight's going bad or something like that. Um, but I just, I think I did. I think it's, you just got to chalk it up as a bad game and see what he looks like next week. And I expect him to be better next week. Like he may not be, incredible he might not put up 380 yards and four touchdowns or anything like that but I think he's gonna be a lot better this week and I'm not I guess I'm not quite ready to jump on the no Tannehill is washed he's done it's over train after week one right like I just I can't get on that train right now I might join you in three or four weeks but well I just you know it 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 pops into my head it's like it just happens like there sometimes there's no warning that it that it's coming down the pipe it just it just happens you yeah, know that's kind of what i wonder like maybe did he get hit and then his arm was like really sore after one of the hits that he took and he just didn't have it or if it's just all hesitation and he wasn't trusting what he was seeing i i don't know but like some like for manning it just like came out of nowhere like for peyton manning so, and I know Wilson, it was a gradual decline in some cases. Um, but sometimes it just, just comes for your ass. Like yeah. you just, you j- it's just very sudden. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's possible, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not 
I think I need to see it a couple more games before I'm sure that it's it's done, right? Yeah. Um, and, and while we're here on the, you know, we touched on the play calling a little bit and Tim Kelly. I thought it was it was pretty interesting what the offense looked like in general. Like we'll talk about the Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry snap counts and splits and stuff like that, but they ran a ton of empty in this game, which I really liked because I, I think that gives the quarterback a lot of uh a lot of options a lot of you know it really stresses a defense because you've got to cover five eligible wide receivers all lined up all able to attack various areas of the field lets you get into a lot of different things so you know empty is something that we didn't really see a ton uh in previous years from the titans so i think that's kind of a new thing but they ran at least at least 10 snaps of empty which was a ton uh in this game which i'm fascinated to see what that looks like moving forward as well as you know some of the two back stuff and and things like that but i i, I don't was... i don't want to see ty j spears block for derrick henry ever again no <laughs> no that was a stupid play no nah, I, I don't Why I did they have to it? have one stupid play every time i i didn't totally mind i, I thought spears got a good enough block on the edge there um and, you know, they gained a few yards out of that play. It wasn't a huge play or anything, but I do think having both backs on the field, I, I'm not crazy about all the Wildcat stuff, honestly. I mean, it's okay situationally here and there, but and I guess they only ran one play of it. But uh, Henry and Spears on the field together, I do think is interesting. I do like that. They're very comfortable with Spears as like a receiver. You know, they they yeah. certainly are willing to put him out there in the slot and let him run real routes. So that's an interesting combination. And man, there's a that, lot that was you can that do. was so, so close to being that catch where it just kind of like it was just maybe even centimeters away from his hands. Yeah, that's almost, another he one. Went up and got it. Like I don't think that was. I think that's the right ball placement. I just think that like in that situation, I think you got to remember that your guy's a little short the guy that you're having run that route is a little short and if it's perfectly covered you may <laughs> he can't grow so yeah. you know but if you put it down any lower it's probably tipped which way, which one the the uh back shoulder throw towards the front corner front at the very the beginning of the game that one i see i thought i thought it was he should have hit that like it it was open enough like spears i thought it was clear that they were trying to run it something to the back shoulder there. Um, and I thought Tannehill just kind of overthrew that one a little bit. Um, so I thought, I thought that was another, honestly, that's another touchdown that probably should have been had. Um, because if he puts that ball where Spears can make a play on it, I, that's, that's a touchdown because Spears, it, it, like, it wasn't like he was wide open, but leverage and everything like that, like that's a play you can make. Um, and they had the right idea, just didn't execute it. Well, let, let's talk about the, the run game situation and stuff like that. We're talking about 19 run plays. Um, both Andre Dillard and Aaron Brewer uh, made it in run block win rate, uh, top 10 for their tackles and interior offensive linemen in the NFL last week. They had 16 wins. Both each had 16 wins out of 19 run plays. So pretty good for them. Uh, it looked better. The run blocking looked better. Derrick Henry looked like shades of old Derrick Henry and he was putting together easily in my opinion his best week one performance that he's had since becoming a starter uh for the Tennessee Titans usually he's terribly inefficient and he was really efficient and the Saints I guess the game plan for the Saints was to play to their strength of the pass defense this felt very I, th I, I think it was Eldon English on Twitter or on X uh, but I was thinking the same thing. This felt very much like that uh, Panthers, Buccaneers, back-to-back -back Arthur Smith games where, like, you're attacking the best pass defense with by passing and attacking the best run defense by running. Like, you should have swapped those. And it felt like they kind of moved away from Derrick Henry a little too quick in such a close game. But also, they did something that everybody kind of wanted all offseason and for the past few years. They passed a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, it would have worked again, Ryan Tannehill. But there's something to be said about in-game adjustments during the game, and at some point, keeping Derrick Henry off the field as much as they did—not necessarily you have to use Derrick Henry, but keeping him off the field as much as you did 
made it really almost predictable for the most part, in my opinion, that like if he's on the field, it's likely a run. If he's off the field, it's likely a pass. They need to keep him on the field, not necessarily hand the ball off to him a little bit more. But I was a little shocked, but also I'm not too terribly upset. Does that make sense? Like I'm surprised about his usage, but I'm not really upset that he wasn't used as much. Yeah, I, I think I mostly agree with that. Just, you know, and, and look, they were about 50-50 run pass split when he was on the field. I think he had 16. They ran the ball 16 times with Henry on the field out of his 30 snaps. So 14 passes, 16 runs. That's, that's about 50-50. So I, I don't think it was like a huge tell or tendency uh, for the Saints to pick up on it. Like, oh, Derrick Henry's in. They're for sure running the ball. I don't think that's a has anything to do with it. I think the biggest concern that I've got is just, you know, are you making your best use out of your, you know, most talented player still on offense or, or best player still on offense? Cause I do think Henry still is their best offensive player. Um, and he was great. Like he, he was great early in the game. I thought he was running with power and decisive and, you know, pushing the pile, doing all that. He had the vicious stiff arm of Marcus may, um, so he he looked good to me. He looked like midseason form Derrick Henry, um, you know, right out of the gate. So I am surprised that they just didn't find a way to get him the ball more in a game where, I mean, they were up most of this game. Or, it feels or, like a game that like was built for Derrick Henry, right? I mean, like uh, in the past, this would have been the you predicted, I believe, 1916, right? At one point, I yeah. was like, okay, this is getting very close to that's going to be this score. Yeah, And it felt like that that's the perfect time to start leaning on Henry. And it just, I don't understand. I, it's, it's, I'm very conflicted. Like this game left me so conflicted. Like I'm battling week one as a liar with what you see on the field and what you see in the stats. I'm, I was, I'm conflicted about Henry's usage because I'm glad that he's not having to shoulder the burden. It, it made him look very fresh throughout the entire game. But then when you need him the most, a player, and to lean on him the most, he was nowhere to really be found, and he was not leaned on enough. And so, like, I'm just, I, I'm left conflicted with, I like the philosophy, but I don't like the results. It's almost like a good process, bad result kind of deal. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I think... um and I do think it's important what you said, like how many times have we begged for this team to progress and turn into more of a balanced attack? And look, they definitely did that in this game. They they were throwing the ball around. They were attacking, um, which I liked. I, I, I mean, it would be just disingenuous to just sit here and play the results and say, well, because it didn't work, I don't like it uh, when I've been asking for it for four years. Right. Um, but it's, uh, it, you know, it's something to watch moving forward, but look, Spears is going to be their third down back. And like when they're in obvious passing situations, Spears is going to be on the field over Henry and he should be because he's a better pass catcher. He's more of a weapon in that. He's phase a of the very game. good pass blocker, by the way. I don't know if anybody yeah. else has noticed that, but we, we noticed that the senior bowl, me and Stoney did. We, he was really good in the one-on-ones versus the linebacker drill that they would run, you know, linebacker. And it's made to really benefit the linebacker in those situations. And he won. Yeah about 90% of the time and he was chipping and taking on guys way bigger than him in the pass blocking game. I have to say like, I know everybody was real down on that draft pick except for, except for me and Stoney, but like, and everybody thought he was, you know, handicapped in a wheelchair and all that stuff. And they'd have to build a ramp at St. Thomas, St. Thomas sports park so he could get up in there. But I'm 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 just always impressed by even though that he wasn't able to make a play, and he did have a really good run where he's like, it took like five people to tackle him and he was dodging people, but like pass blocking, pass catching, route running ability, and he can be an actual running back. I mean, he's a total package running back that the Tennessee Titans thought that Deion Lewis was, and never he reminds me a lot more of Demarco Murray, as far as what he's able to do, not actually how he runs or the style of play or his size, but what he's actually able to bring to this offense. And it's, and it's great. And I think it's, 
while the Tennessee Titans do need a deep threat, I think that when you have when you have the quarterback that you are trying to win with, I think Spears is a better compliment than getting someone like Khalif Raymond is a better compliment. Like I think he's a better talent and I agree with you. I think that while I'm not happy that he got more snaps in a close game, I am I am happy to see that his usage is extremely high because that benefits Derrick Henry as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think so. I think there's something to the idea that hey, using Henry or using Spears now lets you use Henry as the hammer in you know November, December, uh, January uh, as as you get into the part of the season where Derrick Henry has really thrived historically. Like if he doesn't have you know. 170 carries by that part part of the season, then will he be even better? Will he be even more effective? Um, I certainly think that's not a bad, you know, season long look from Mike Vrabel or from, you know, Tim Kelly, if that is the plan, I don't think that's a bad idea. If that's, you know, we don't want to give him 30 carries in week one, because we want to be able to give him 30 carries in week 13 and, 14 and 15 and, you know, down the stretch. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to track what that looks like moving forward, but I don't, I don't think it's the huge outrage that it's been made out to be by some people. Okay. Speaking of outrage, where do you land on the field goal debate? Oh, versus uh, what he should have done. Yeah. I think he probably should have taken the penalty. Um, you know, obviously that's. Oh, that, no, no, no. The fourth and six, man. Not the that the penalty, the fourth and six. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a different question. You know, honestly, to me, I was fine with him taking the the field goal there because the team had not converted third downs at a a good rate all game. I think they were like three of sixteen or something like that in this game on third downs, which is absolutely dreadful. Um, and you know, to put the onus back on the defense which is the better unit and is a really good run stopping unit too um to get the ball back and give them another chance to get a a field goal instead of putting all the pressure on they've got to score a touchdown uh i thought was fine um yeah they were two of 12 on third down in this game i mean like that's that's part of the backdrop here right like the odds of them converting that fourth and six to me are very low at that point in the game. So I, I thought it was fine. Um, I, I took more of an issue with him t- not taking the penalty. Well, he, um, he, I think, didn't he say that he should have taken the penalty? He said he kind of debated about it back and forth. And I guess his, his thought was, you know, it's a rookie kicker in his first game. And, you know, this is a long kick, you know, maybe he'll miss one for us here and, and we don't have to take the risk of them converting and continuing the drive. You know, but. at some point, Mike Rabel should know that Tennessee Titans get nothing in their favor. Like, oh, when you yeah. Th- like, like when you think about that, <laughs> like you should be saying, oh, but wait, we're the Tennessee Titans, so of course this kid is going to make it. Right, like like Giorgio Tavecchio in that, that opener several years ago against the Raiders when, like, Sebastian Janikowski gets hurt right before the season. They sign this guy off the street. Everyone's like, well, Raiders aren't going to be able to kick field goals very well in this game. And then he goes like five for five, including like a 56 yarder and, and just his nails all game. Um, yeah. It's, it's another, another instance of that basically. Yeah. It's, for me, it's like everybody's freaking out over 9.3%. Like guys, it was still 33% chance that the Titans were even going to win it if they go for it. And can we speaking of 33%, their success rate for dropbacks were 31%. Their success rate for rushing was 33%. So the chances of them converting <laughs> the fourth, fourth and six was even less than 34% more than likely. Like it wasn't gonna happen more. And so then I I don't to me it's just like if you don't if you don't convert it, well, let's say you do convert it. But you've been pretty still piss poor in the red zone, and now what if you have to settle for the field goal anyway? Or what if you take the turnover on downs? This was, to me, this is where, this was the prime example of why analytics is a tool 
and not the be-all, end-all. Because it does not account for what you are seeing in real time on the game. It does not account for game flow. It doesn't account for the fact that Andre Dillard cannot block Carl yeah. Anderson in this game. It, you know, it like- just looks at this. It looks at the situation. It looks at the score. It looks at the field position. And it looks at history in these same moments. Which looks like, to me, that in these same moments, it's not very good historical historically all the way through however far back they go with this uh win probability situation but it looks like that most teams end up losing more often than not in this situation which is just i guess a fluke situation to be down by the points that they were and at with 220 left and all this stuff but like it's a it's to me that's just it made sense i'm just thinking there and i'm like all these people are upset and i'm like and i'm a go for it guy like more often than not, I want them to go for it. But in this situation, if you are watching the entire game, this was just the right call. And it was the right call before you even look at EPA per dropback or success rate or historical historically. There's zero percent in the red zone. But uh, what was it? I guess they made three field goals off offensive 12 offensive drives. So that would have been. Yeah like 33% or 40% or something. I don't know what, what the percentage, but they were that it's just better. It's not great, but it's better. They're kind of like the inverse of the defense and we'll transition the defense, but it's kind of like the inverse of the defense where it's like the defensive backs suck in between zero and 80 yards, but they're really great in the red zone. <laughs> and then like the Tennessee Titans offense was really good from zero to 80 yards, but they suck in the red zone, which again is an outlier, by the way. Yeah. And the, that's the Titans not very common. have been fantastic in the red zone for basically the entire Tannehill era and really the Vrabel era. Um, so it, this is a huge outlier in that aspect. And also I think there's, there's a, um, factor here as far as the call on fourth down uh the fourth at six is that the you know one thing that's not captured by epa and the analytics here is is the saints secondary got away with murder in this game mm-hmm. like almost every play especially on third downs they were absolutely mugging the titans defenders or titans receivers it, it was you know egregious at times like marshawn Lattimore obviously had a, a couple that were obvious um, you know, I thought the the interception where Chris Moore, uh, the ball that got tipped back by the guy who was face guarding, um, I thought that was clear defensive pass interference. So like there was, they were letting them play, and to their credit, they let them play both ways too, right? Like the Titans didn't have like a, a crazy amount of defensive pass interference calls against them or anything like that. But that's another part of this. Like they, the Titans had to know they were going to get mugged. Uh, on that fourth and six at the line of scrimmage and, and you know, holding defensive pattern interference, those those calls just weren't coming in this game. So, um, you know, that, that's got to play into it too. And also I think that contributed to the pressure and the sacks and things like that uh, throughout this game because, you know, Tannehill did hold the ball for forever at times because he was misreading and, and missing open guys. But there was also other plays where, he was holding the ball because nobody was open because the Saints defenders just grabbed all the Titans receivers at the line of scrimmage, basically. I mean, like, Lattimore was the biggest offender, but there was a, there was another play where uh, it was in the red zone, actually, and uh, Traylon Burks, they were running a concept that actually was a great concept for the defense that was called. The Saints were in cover two. The Titans were running a play concept that, that basically had uh, DeAndre Hopkins running a post on the backside. Traylon Burks was releasing up the seam through the center. And then I think it was either Conquo or Nick Westbrook-Akina. I can't remember who it was on the, on the front side that was running a corner route. So basically they were getting three vertical receivers into a space where you had two deep safeties. So somebody was going to be left without a safety over the top of them in a one-on-one. Well, that person was going to be Traylon Burks and he was going to be one-on-one against Demario Davis, which is a huge matchup advantage for the Titans. But the defensive end was split out over Burks and I mean, literally just grabs him by the shirt and holds him for the first like four or five steps of the route. He doesn't even get past Demario Davis uh, before Tannehill has to, to get rid of it. So it's um, 
stuff like that played into the the pressure and the, the holding the ball and all that stuff as well. But yeah, I just think that's worth mentioning with that fourth down play and also just with the offense performance in general. Well, let me, let me, let's switch gears to the defense here. Um, Aziz Alshair had a really good game. Dave, his replacement, or he's replacing David Long, who only played 17 snaps <laughs> against the Chargers, which was Super very weird. odd. Yeah. Um, uh, Arden Key was that was the best performance by an edge rusher in a long time that's not named Harold Landry. Like, I feel like that's better than anything Bud Dupree or Jadavion Clowney put on the field. He was everywhere and the ref screwed him out of some extra uh, stats to on there. Um, Danico Autry was amazing. I mean, the defensive line tier tart was a menace. Yeah, Everything about really the, the defensive line in the front seven outside of maybe Landry Harold Landry's not just not there good. yet, but yeah. that's okay. He he walked away unscathed, right? No, he's not on the injury. Well, he may be on he's, the injury report, but it's because they may just be resting him or something. And it was he had an abdomen issue as well coming into this game, so I I don't know if maybe he was hampered by that a little bit. He d- definitely did not look like himself as far as his right. uh, explosiveness and and ability to move, which was uh, expected, right? Like, yeah, it, it's definitely expected coming off of the ACL. But I think there was some hope that like he was going to be right back to top form because he'd had such a good camp and and all the reports were so glowing about him and his return from ACL. But yeah, he, he did not look like himself in that game. And, and it could be the abdomen mixed in with the ACL stuff, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like. moving forward. I thought, I thought Shane Bowen did a good job. I mean, like this oh, is yeah. technically the first, the first real, I thought Shane Bowen without training wheels did a really great job. I guess you could say like yeah. without help, there's no Jim Schwartz. It seems like Mike Vrabel's not as, is really letting Shane Bowen go through uh, on his own. Christian Fulton, hamstring issues. Sean Murphy Bunting, biting on some fakes. Christian yeah, Fulton also sitting Sean Murphy on the Bunting sticks. Sean Murphy Bunting wasn't very good in that yeah, game. Yeah, also sitting on the sticks. Uh, you know, Sean Murphy Bunting did almost have a game-saving or game-changing fumble at the end. He punched that ball out really well, just bounced right yeah. back to Jamal Williams. Uh, just bad luck. Speaking of luck. speaking of bad lucks with fumbles, that that uh, one of the sacks where Arden Key, I think it was Arden Key and Danico Autry combined on on Derek Carr, yeah. he fumbled that ball too. Like that ball came out, it just bounced right back into his yeah. where he was on the ground and could just reach out and grab it. Um, but like, look, that ball bounces a different way. This is a totally different conversation and different game. So it's just like, yeah, there's a million things. Like, and this is true of most one point games in the NFL, but there's a million things that happened in this game that like. Hey, one break goes the other way, and it's a totally different uh, result and, and discussion. So, I mean, like, the defense looks good. It looks yeah. really great for about yeah. 3.8 quarters, uh, pretty much. I mean, up yeah. until that final drive, it looked great. Nick Folk looked great. So this kind of, you know, I know we spent a lot of time on the offense, but I want to get into the Chargers game, and the, I think the defense is a good transition because you expect – the offense to rebound somewhat to be able to compete. But what can this secondary do to slow down Justin Herbert? Is this, is this going to be the theme every week? It's just that can the corners cover just long enough for the defensive pass rush to get there? Like, is that really what it all boils down to? Yeah, I mean, I think it it basically is. I mean, because I, I still think the secondary is the weak point of of this defense. I I thought Roger McCreary was really good. I thought he played a great game in the slot. Um, and and Fulton was actually pretty good, with the exception, like he got beat deep on that uh that big play. Was it third down on that final drive? Um, when he gave up the deep ball to Shahid, I believe so. Um, and look that's one of those things. It's a great call. It's smart for Fulton to be sitting on the sticks there because most of the time that's where you're, you know, the, the offense is going to try to get to on that situation where they're just trying to get a first down to, to basically end the game. Um, and, and the saints were smart to just take a shot and, and they completed a ball that look, if Ryan Tannehill completes some of those balls that were open like that, you know, again, 
it's a different conversation, but Carr did hit the pass. Um, and, and I don't totally blame Fulton there. Um, uh, but Fulton's got to stay healthy and got to stay on the field. Cause when Trey Avery and Kendall Vildor came into the game, it, you could tell a difference. Like it was noticeable, noticeably different in coverage. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's just going to be one of those things you have to watch, especially if Fulton can't stay healthy, which at this point you have to kind of just pencil him in. Like he's going to miss four or five games this year, um, probably with a hamstring. And, and I don't know that there's anything that they can do about it at this point because, look, he did yoga in Miami and like all this other stuff all off season, And apparently like, you know, despite all – and Mike Vrabel even said he's in great shape. You know, he's come in really dedicated and, and worked really hard and, and all this stuff. And just again, first game, he's he's coming up with a hamstring. So it, it's unfortunate. It's frustrating. I just don't know if there's anything anyone can do about it at this point. Yeah, I, I it it was just like mental mistakes. That was the plague. That that's what plagued this whole game, right? I mean, mental mistakes by the refs, mental mistakes by uh, Ryan Tannehill, mental mistakes made by Christian Fulton. Just really really weird situations just constantly we have a question in here where uh would you say it was because they were gassed the defense now the defense was only on the field for 28 minutes while the offense was on the field for longer so the mm-hmm. tennessee titans defense was not on the field that much um but what do you think it's because they were gassed I could see maybe some of that from a pass rush standpoint, simply because Key and Autry, uh, you know, did play a lot of snaps. And towards the end of the game, it did feel like maybe they were, uh, you know, not no longer throwing their fastball, um, you know, from a pass rush standpoint. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would say it was like a situation where the offense just hung them out to dry all game and and they were, you know, on the field for, you know, 80, 90 snaps or whatever. I, I don't know what the actual snap count ended up. I think it would have been around 64, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. So it's, I don't think it's one of, it's a situ- situation like that um, in, in this instance, but. Um, so what yeah, can. 65 snaps. Yeah, see, so I it's a, a totally fun. normal number. So. I look at it and I'm looking at this Chargers game and let's just run through what we normally do. And we're talking about this uh, stats of the game, right? Or let's do key addition and key losses. They don't really have any key losses. Key additions would be Khalil Mack, Quentin Johnston and Kellen Moore is their OC, you know, stat of the game or stats of the game. Herbert has had 22 games over his career with 300 plus passing yards and now 21 or 23. Sorry. In a 17-14 win versus the Titans last year is the first time he threw for 300-plus yards and had zero touchdowns. It's also the first time he posted a passer rating below 70 when throwing for 300-plus yards, which is incredible, by the way. He also posted up a 5.31 average yards per attempt, or just yards per attempt, another lowest mark with 300-plus yards, and that's 5.31 adjusted yards per attempt was the eighth-worst mark in that category out of 49 games. The Tennessee Titans defense seems to show up pretty well against quote unquote top tier quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, sometimes Trevor Lawrence, if you want to consider him in that category. Joe Burrows has doesn't have his best, best games against the defense. Is this another situation where you have faith that the Tennessee Titans will be able to scheme something up against a Kellen Moore? offense because a Joe Lombardi offense may be a little bit easier to scheme up against. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a tougher test from the standpoint of, I think the chargers are not going to have the big glaring issue that Trevor Penning was uh, for the saints on Sunday. Like Trevor Penning was absolutely abused by Arden key in this game. And obviously the, I think the it was the only have, tackle technically worse than Andre Dillard, maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. So um, I think Rashawn Slater is not going to give up eight or nine pressures, right? Like he's just not. Um, he's a really good player. It's going to be a different challenge for Key this week uh, than than it was last week. Now, 
on the opposite side, like Trey Pipkins is is the weak link on the Chargers offensive line at right tackle. So maybe this is a, you know, Danico Autry and, and Harold Landry game if if Landry's, you know, a little bit closer to 100% where they can get, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, traction over there on the right side. But, um, again, like you got another team with really good pass catchers. Like I, I think Olave is better than any of the receivers that the Chargers have, but – Keenan Allen can still really play. Mike Williams is going to, you know, kill you on jump balls. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Josh Palmer and uh, the rookie Quentin Johnston. Um, they've got a lot of weapons. Um, and Herbert is a better quarterback, obviously, than Derek Carr. So it, the secondary is going to be challenged um, in part because, I, you know, they're not going to have – you know, Trevor Penning giving up uh, quick pressures all the time over there on the left side. So uh, it, it's it's going to be in a very interesting game. And also the Chargers ran the ball really well against the Dolphins. Now, I don't know what the Dolphins run defense is going to end up looking like by the end of the year. I don't think the Chargers will run the ball very well against the Titans, um, which will make them somewhat one-dimensional because nobody runs the ball well against the Titans. But uh that will be the that will be the game. Will be the Titans secondary. Can they hold up enough against those talented Chargers receivers? And and we'll see. It, Christian Fulton's hamstring needs to be, you know, massaged and worked on all week and and healthy for Sunday. And and I agree agree with you because that's obviously the Chargers' key matchup to exploit, which may be the key matchup to exploit all all season long for any opposing offense. But I'm not too worried about Quentin Johnston. Uh, I mean, he doesn't, yeah. he's, he's a rookie. And like last week he was like two for three for nine yards. And it was, it wasn't, he, he's not being used a lot, but I don't feel like this team has any true, they don't have a Rashid Shahid or they don't have a Chris Olave, which I agree, which is to me, those are the guys, those are the receivers that are, that are the detriment, the kryptonite. For this team, because like say, Roger yeah, McCreary, Keenan Allen, Elijah Molden, you can cover him. Mike Williams is just a jump ball specialist. If you just don't let him, if you have someone that can at least keep him in check at the line of scrimmage, you're probably going to end up doing pretty well. That to me is, is kind of how I feel about this, this team, but it's still Justin Herbert, right? But they, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from a Joe Lombardi defense or offense or sorry a Kellen Moore offense versus a Mike Vrabel Shane Bowen defense quite yet so maybe they are able to exploit downfield a little bit more but I'll say this interior pass rush is what where the Titans need to exploit again and I think that I saw a lot of game a lot of that Dolphins uh Chargers game where up the middle, they were just crushing Justin Herbert, like up the middle. And that's where Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tart lives. And I really feel like if you are able to take out the interior offensive line of this L.A. Chargers, you're going to be able to disrupt enough of Justin Herbert to make him, you know, get a little skittish and start doing being captain checkdown, I feel like, or make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that's possible. And I also think... um you know, historically, the Titans have done much better against like big physical receivers. You think about like DK Metcalf and guys like that. Those are the guys that that the Titans typically don't struggle as much with compared to the guys like Chris Olave and even like Michael Thomas, who are more, you know, quick, you know, route guys who who have the ability to separate in short areas and, and just get free. Um, so I think this is a better matchup from a Titans defensive backfield standpoint, even though the quarterback's better and and could potentially uh you know pose a, a bigger threat that way. The uh I also think about this the coaching mismatch is just out of this world. He's Brandon Staley Staley is still one of the most perplexing yeah, worst coaches ever. Yeah. He, he's such a fraud. Um and their defense got shredded yeah. uh by Tua. I mean like the the crazy numbers that they put up. This this is this would be a game where yeah, and look, the Titans' offense is way different than the Dolphins' offense, obviously. But um, you should think that Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, Chigakonkwo—it's it's time to get those guys going in this game, and and they should be able to they should be able to have some luck. I mean, look, Chargers got 
Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, you worry about those two, but you know, and, and then there's Derwin James, who of course is a, a dynamic player, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot that, that scares you on that, that Chargers defense. Okay, the Titans will win because and I'm I'll go first. The best argument for the Titans winning comes in the form of just Vrabel versus Staley, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the Chargers should have mopped the floor with a depleted Titans team last year. Uh, they were obviously gassed and lethargic at that point in the season, and Staley just doesn't know how to properly manage a team and take advantage of stuff like that. Uh, he, I thought that he coached downright scared and kind of played defensive-minded football, uh, and I think that in the end, the Chargers kind of ultimately lucked out that Tannehill got injured, and to me, it kind of feels like the luck, the that luck isn't going to hold up this week if the Titans will win, the Chargers luck. Chargers going to charge, as I like to say, uh, when it happens. But I think that the it being a home game, I don't know how much of a home field advantage it will actually end up being. But it is a home game, so no travel. They're coming from the West Coast to the East Coast, and typically that comes into effect. So the Titans will win, not really because of of the, the maybe the players themselves or big plays or key matchups. It's just that the Titans, led by Mike Vrabel, is just a much better coach team with with much more rest in their advantage. Yeah, I think there's. Um, I think the reason the Titans win is going to be that Tannehill can't be as bad as he was again in Week One, and, and the Chargers' defense can be had. I, I think Kenneth Murray is still a really bad linebacker. They added Eric Kendricks. Uh, in the off season, but he's past his prime. I think the Titans are going to be able to run the football against this Chargers defense, and and I think that'll set up the play action passing game and and everything like that. Alpha, and I just don't, I don't think Tannehill is going to miss every opportunity like he did in Week One again. Like I think that was an outlier anomaly bad game. I mean, like look, Joe Burrow looked just as bad as Tannehill in in his Week One game. Uh, it's possible, and look, Joe Burrow is a much better quarterback than than Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying they're the same guy, but it's possible for a quarterback to have a really bad game and then still be a good quarterback or or an average quarterback in Tannehill's case. So, I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll have a better game, and and I think the Titans' offense actually is able to carry them to a win here. The Titans will lose because. Lombardi's gone. Kellen Moore's here. He should be a much better offensive coordinator than Lombardi. He may not be the greatest young mind in the NFL by any means, but I mean, anything's better than what Lombardi's filled in. And I think they showed kind of showed that last week. Um, I think Herbert will take more deep shots and he has the personnel that can kind of do it. And the Titans do love giving up some deep shots sometimes and get caught sleeping at the wheel. And we saw it last week on top of that, Eckler will likely eat up a bunch of chunk plays because he doesn't have to run to be effective. Eckler's effectiveness is the fact that he can catch balls and he can run routes. He he can always be on the field. And I think the defense will have a tough time stopping Austin Eckler. So that's why the Titans will win. Yeah, I think um, along those same lines, I, I think the reason the Titans would lose would be the pass rush doesn't get home nearly as much against a better offensive line, uh, or at least a better better left tackle in Rashawn Slater uh, anchoring that offensive line. And the secondary continues to be the weak link of the defense and, and is able to be exploited by Justin Herbert in a talented Chargers passing game. So I, I think that would be the, I think if they lose, it's going to be because they give up something like 34 points, uh, you know, and Herbert has a big day through the air. All right. Final verdict, Mike, before we end the show. Oh man, this is tough. Because this kind of feels like, I know a lot of people are talking about the Cardinals and the Seahawks games back-to-back in 2021 and all this kind of stuff. I do think Ryan Tannehill is going to be better. Uh, I'm going to chalk that up to an outlier. We'll see. But that's that's logic dictates is how I should act. My heart does not say that. But I don't. This to me kind of has still has lingering feelings and shade of the Bills game last year, right? Like, okay, so the to me this feels more of that that the Giants and the Saints games, those losses were like in the final moments and were within reach and able to be won if certain things just 
the Titans prevented or went their way. And then they go and get slacked by the Bills. And I'm kind of expecting a pretty ugly loss at home. But I expect that the Titans will do just enough to make it seem that maybe, to make it seem that like maybe stuff is trending in the right direction for the offense. But ultimately, I think the score is a mirage. And I think that the Titans lose 35 24. Okay. All right. So I'm 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 gonna actually go the other way uh this week. I'm gonna say the Titans do actually end up winning this game. Um I still think the Chargers are a little overblown. Uh I they think the Titans are. I think the Titans, um really after watching the all twenty two, I thought I'd feel worse. I actually feel better. Um, because there's just so many, there's so many plays that were just left on the field. So the, the opportunities were there. It's not like the the they were just stifled um all game by the the saints it it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds which i think are fixable right like i think you can fix that so um to me i think the titans bounce back with a win at home i'm gonna go 27 20 wow okay you heard it here 27 20 still not get to that 30 points for the tennessee titans no i can't predict either of our either of our predictions even though they should have really probably had close to 30 points if not 30 points anyway they could um that will do it for us. Football and other F words. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. Uh, I was going to say something funny about being in Texas, but I guess there's nothing fun about being in Texas. Um, there's a lot of fun about being in Texas. State. Probably it's probably what 300 degrees there right now. Where we have a beautiful weather here in Tennessee. No, no, it's nice. Currently. It's like it's like 75, I think, right now. So. Oh, I don't believe we that. got we got rain this morning. So oh, well, there you go. But Mike's broadcasting from Texas. I'm broadcasting from Tennessee. <laughs> which is the only reason that Texas is a state is because of the state of Tennessee. Uh, you are welcome, Mike, for your freedom uh, to live in Texas. You are welcome without a passport. But this has been football <laughs> and other F-words. Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor. Read his article that's up at paulkarski.com titled The Worst and Best Titans from the Saints Loss, starting with Ryan Tannehill and Arden King. I would assume that Ryan Tannehill is among the best, and Arden Key's among the worst. Is that correct? Did I get that right? You're going to have to click to find out. You have to click to find out. Podcarski.com <laughs> is where you can read Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter, on X, at Mike Herndon NFL. You can follow me on X, at Pod and read all the articles that we have coming out at stackinginbox.com. I'm Zach Lyons. He's Mike Herndon. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed. <laughs>